Welcome to Queener Lax, Lax and Poetic. I'm your host, Bryce Queener. We're going to talk all things Lax on this show with some of the greatest personalities in the sport. Be sure to check out our sponsor, QueenerLax.com, for swag, camps, and clinics. Got questions? Want to hear something? Get in our DMs, at QueenerLax. Hey, thanks for listening, and remember, ABC, always be cradling. Buddy, welcome. We got our Queen Relax YouTube show today with our first ever guest, Dan Groot. Uh, Groot, thanks for joining us. We're super excited to have what I think is one of the best team middies um, of all time in the MLL. Also a, a two-way midi, you know, played in Maryland, was an All-American. Um, grew up in Canandaigua, New York in the Finger Lakes, one of the premier places to ever play lacrosse. And I, my opinion, the best player ever from Canandaigua. Uh, not the Finger Lakes. Uh, that would be Brett Cleaner or Mike Manley. But, um, <laughs> you know, I can't because Pena and, and uh, Candegra are, are huge rivals. But, Groot, thanks a lot for joining the show. Hey, man, I'm glad to be here. Um, those are some, some quality players you, you're talking about there. So, uh, anytime I can be put in the same sentence as Brett and Michael, it's, uh, it's awesome. We go well, wild. You're a better D-Mitty than both. Um, they're going to be mad at me for saying that, but this is the point of this show. Uh, we'll talk about all different topics on here. And I, just obviously, like any great D-Mitty, you're, you're obviously a great offensive mitty. You're a great athlete, uh, can do anything. We'll get into your, your veganism and your, your yogas and, and, and what have you. You know, you're very cultured. But um, I don't think there's anything out there for D-Mitty. So this, me and you have talked about this for a long time. Um, really excited to be able to do this today. And, uh, one ask, we're going to try to keep this as much D midi content as we can and delve into some really cool stuff. Um, maybe talk about the group check, which I think you patented. We've talked about using it as a logo, like Jerry West, you know, the one hand over the top check. Actually, I was going to tell you to get a stick, but I don't know if you're wrong. I got a little stick here. Group check with the left. We'll get to that in a minute. But, but first, you know, right off the bat group, when we talk about D midis and you talk to coaches and you talk to anybody who knows, it's the most important position on the field, but it's also um, not celebrated. And, and it's also really not coached that well. It's, there's not a lot of training for it. Um, so my question to you is why, one, um, we all know it's important. So w why isn't it valued more? And then two, um, how do we make it cooler? How do we make d Midi cool? Uh, it's a pretty loaded question, but uh, <laughs> it's, uh, it is, like you said, it's, it's arguably one of the most important positions, if not the most important position on the field. Um, you know, when you think about offenses, they are designed to attack the short stick D middies most of the time. So when you have quality D middies out there, um, it's really, it really makes it tough on the offense um, to really get anything going if they can't beat a one-on-one -on -one matchup. So, you know, when you have a, a D midi that can, you know, play someone one-on-one -on -one and you don't have to worry about sliding, you know, every time he gets dodged, then it really, you know, can mess with the, the offense. Um, as far as making it cool, um, I think D midis probably just need to, you know, talk more crap um, and bring more attention to themselves. Kind of like, kind of like Jalen Ramsey, even though I'm not really a huge fan. I mean, everyone knows who he is. And if you're going to compare – um, you know, sports a little bit. That's kind of what a D midi is. It's, it's a cornerback who just is on the Island and that's what Jalen Ramsey does. That's what Jadavius White is. You know, those are two of the best guys in, in the NFL. I mean, you can throw Stephon Gilmore out there, but 
um, you know, that's what a D MIDI is in my mind. And to make it cool, I don't, I don't know how we do that. Um, maybe that's why we're here today. Try to make it a, a cool thing to, to be a D MIDI. And, um, yeah, this is definitely, it's, it's definitely the right direction. I think, you know, and now being on the all American teams, but I think it's still, it should be two spots, um, per team. And then, you know, it's funny you bring up talking smack. I definitely think that's a big part of it. And, and you and I used to go to Memphis Grizzlies games together as season ticket holders. Um, and we both fell in love with Tony Allen. Uh, and, and nobody, not a lot of people know Tony Allen, but he talked first team all defense every time he made a stop. Uh, so I think you're on to something there. Let's back up. Let's back up a minute. Let's take back to baby group. Um, <laughs> we're in upstate New York. We're in the Finger Lakes. We're, we're just like being tough playing in the mud, uh, playing football, playing other sports. It's just preach since you're little, hitting in the cold. You know, who taught you how to play defense, do you think? You know, do you think it started with your youth football coach, youth basketball, youth lacrosse? I, I know your dad's a youth coach. I know you got tons of great coaches in Gandegua. Who do you think laid the foundation? Was it the community? Uh, when you look back on that, where do you think it started? I think the foundation of that is probably, it starts probably with my dad, you know, um, he, like you said, he was my youth coach. Um, you know, he was involved in a lot of sports, but I think that's where kind of the foundation started. And then playing three sports, whether it be football, basketball, or lacrosse, I think all three of them really teach you something specific about playing the, the D mini position. Um, you, know, you learn footwork and angles and basketball. You learn toughness and aggressiveness in football. And then lacrosse, you kind of put it all together and, and you know, you, you play the position. And, um, you know, I didn't really play D MIDI until I got to the pros. Um, you know, I was kind of a, more of a two way offensive focused guy in high school and um, once I got to Maryland. But, um, but yeah, I think the, the go back to your question, the foundation really started you know, in, in youth sports, you know, learning how, you know, to get in a good position defensively, how to move your feet instead of reach. Um, so, um, yeah, the, the foundation of that is, is built in, in playing multiple sports. And, you know, I coached, I coached college, I coached high school, I coached uh, club, and I saw way too many kids, you know, focused on just playing the cross and not really focused on playing sports. And I think, playing sports and specifically watching sports and listening to commentators and listening to, you know, other coaches and former coaches and just getting as much knowledge as possible and watching as much sport as possible is really how you learn and you build that IQ and, you know, it all, it all, you know, comes into one, which is why lacrosse is so awesome because it's just a combination of soccer, hockey, basketball, football, and it's just all mixed into one sport. And if you watch those and you play those, you know, it really makes you a better lacrosse player. That's a great answer. And, and uh, that, that gives me another question. Do you think, you know, obviously, because growing up in upstate, you play two-way maybe. And that's why it's so easy to, to just all of a sudden um, be a 10-plus guy, 10-plus year guy in the pros, able to lock down and, and play d maybe. <laughs> obviously, you're a complete maybe. Um, do you think that nowadays they're, they're starting to specialize too early in youth and playing o middies and, and that's hurting players in the long-term development? Yeah, I think that, that trickles down from, from college and pros where they see the specialization. Um, and I think, yeah, I think it is hurting. I think you've you got kids that, you know, go back to the, you know, the first thing we talked about. It's, it's not really a glorified position. 
um, the D midi. It's, you know, you're not really scoring goals. Um, so I think, I think it trickles down from the top where you see a lot of specialization and then the youth coaches, they try to follow what they see when they watch the pros and what they watch when they watch college. And, you know, it's, it's all specialized stuff. And in my opinion, I, I don't, you know, I think, I think two way middies are the most important position in, you know, in lacrosse, um, you know, you, the game's won between the lines. So, you know, to, to focus on a specialized, you know, you come off for, for defense, you come on for offense, you know, I think the game needs to get back to the two way middie. And I think it is transitioning back that way. That's a question I want to ask you later, but I'm going to jump with it right now. How much did it drive you nuts during your career watching a guy come in that could only play a midi um, and get stuck back on defense? We were talking about a lot during the PLL. I could name names. I'm still not going that route, but there's so many guys that once they go over that 50, they just get scored on. And you're like, is this really even worth it? Does it did that drive you nuts when you played? It would drive me nuts, like, so many times. Um, you know, I don't, I don't know how many times I'd be like, oh, my God, you know, can you just play a little bit of defense, please? <laughs> just at least just try. Like, just use some energy. Um, and I don't know what happened to the two-way midi. I think face-off guys aren't going to like this, but I think the, the face-offs, you know, specialization and, you know, the, the motor grip and – Took wings um, out. Took the wings out. Well, not only that, you know, back back in the day, like your your best midi was your face off guy. True. Because yeah. you know, he'd be getting the ground balls. You know, he'd be he'd be playing both offense and defense, and that's what the guy that you would want, you know, at the face off. And I think that's why the face off was designed. Um, and I think it's it's kind of evolved into you know, don't get me wrong, those guys are amazing at what they do. They've gotten um, too good. They've almost gotten too good. They're they're too good. And yeah. you know, we've talked about this a bunch about how we how are you gonna, you know, stop those guys from being specialized? Um, whether it's bringing the wings in, which is kind of what the PLL did, um, you know, maybe doing a drop face off or, you know, making those guys have to stay on the field until there's a change of possession. Like they have to either play offense or they have to play defense. That'd be that would be an oh. interesting move. Um, we could we could talk for two hours about what we want to do with that. So almost, <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> kind of got on a tangent there, but uh, yeah, well, it's a big one. It's a big one. And I know we've had many long conversations about that one. Let me get back to your, your D-mid mindset. And and obviously I keep saying this, but really it's MIDI, but we're we're focusing on the D-mid side for today's show. Um and the, the D-mid mindset. You are honestly, if people can't tell already. You're one of the nicest people I've ever met. And it used to drive me nuts because when I want to get mad at you, when we were playing pickup hoops, when you were still in the league and I was trying to get back in the league and we were playing two-on-two two to 100, um, that's a little bit of the mindset right there. Two-on-two two basketball, four courts to 100. And we'd get, we'd get in little scraps and, and people that didn't know lacrosse players thought we were out of our minds. Um, and we were like, this is just normal. We're just playing. Um, what do you? We weren't really doing anything. That was like just kind of normal. A little pitter pat. Charlie's probably listening, so you know who we're talking about, Charlie. But um, talk, walk me through the demon mindset. I really think it's one of the most important things about the position. We talk. Some people, I think, say, "Oh, you just got to try." I don't think it's that easy. I think you need to be insanely athletic to play that position at the highest level. Um, but walk me through your mindset as a demon when you're on that half of the field. Yeah, I mean, you gotta. It's a. It's a. You know, 
it's a mindset that if you don't have it, you won't be good. Um, and I know from experience because I lost the mindset my last few years playing and I was not very good. Um, and I don't know what happened, but you know, you have to go out to the field thinking you're the best player every time you're out there that no one can beat you, that you're literally going to try and, you know, make it painful for the other guy to dodge you. Um, whether it's cross checks, whether it's slap checks, whether it's, you know, smack talking, trying to get in their head. Um, you know, you mentioned Tony Allen, um, you know, previously, you know, guys that, you know, are all time trash talkers, you know, that there's a reason um, they get in the opponent's head and, you know, any edge that you can get as a D midi, if you need it, because you got guys like Paul Rabel, you got guys like Drew Snyder, who's, you know, out of control quick and can shoot right and left and roll dodges and Rabel just split dodge you at six foot four, 250, whatever he is. Like, you know, that used to be on that. Yeah. I mean, you know, all, all create all different types of offensive players that you have to guard against. Cause not, you know, everyone's not the same. So you, you really need to have like, I'm the best. You're not going to beat me. And if you do, I'm going to cross check you as hard as I possibly can. I'm going to slap check you. I'm going to throw you a, I'm going to throw a little late check after you pass the ball, just to let you know that I'm here. And then I'm going to tell you about it. Um, and it's, I mean, it's a, it's a mindset. Like you, you, you know, I can't really explain it other than you either what about, what about your your self talk? I've I've heard a lot of good sports psychologists in the past couple of years and, and really uh John Gordon talks about, you know, feeding the positive dog. Um how much are you doing that when you're actually in the possession versus off the field? Are you are you constantly talking like, hey group, like next one I got, hey, I got a jam on next time. Are you in your own head talking to yourself? Or because I know like you mentioned earlier, everyone's dodging you the whole game, right? You're one or two short sticks, and everyone on your defense, your long poles and your coaches and your, your goalies want to tell you about every time you get beat and how you can do better. So how do you stay in that mindset during the game? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of, a lot of self-talk. Um, you know, it's, it's constant. It's, it's on the field you're talking to yourselves. Like, oh, okay, you know, you think two, three passes ahead. It's like, okay, this guy's going to dodge me. Um, I'm a little tired, but, you know, Let's just, you know, buckle down here. Let's get out, get into shorts a little bit, not let them get ahead of steam. Um, you know, then you come off the field. It's like, okay, good possession. You know, get a, get your breath. Um, here, you, you know, next time let's try and get a jam. Or next time, you know, he's hanging his stick. Maybe we can go over the head or, you know, maybe we can trail him a little bit and just get a trail check. Um, you know, oh, this guy can't go left. I'm just going to sit on his right because he rolls back to his right every single time. Yeah. Um, you know, it's you're all, you're constantly talking to yourself, thinking about the next possession or what he did on the, the previous possession, um, and it's not really a talk with your teammates. It's a talk with yourself because it's a specialized matchup that is going to continue to happen. So it's it's a basically it, it's a chess match throughout the game because a lot of the times, you know, the same guys get in the pole most of the game. So you you're you're getting a, a rotation of two or three different guys that are coming in at you. Um, and you got to categorize that and say, okay, he did that this time. Let's see what, let's see if he'll try and do it again. Um, or he'll go to one of his other moves that he has, which you learn from tape and you know, just playing against guys over and over and over again. So, um, but yeah, there's, I mean, it's constant, constant self-talk. <laughs> Hey, you just brought up about 100 points I want to go over. That was outstanding. <laughs> so, 
Uh, and that's why we're doing this. But, I, I, you know, so many people, you know, when Bill Tierney split the field in half and started sliding from the crease and Phil from the backside and got down either, you know, your two slides and things like that. We'll, we'll, we'll go back and talk about this. But, you know, so many people started just being like, you got to take away a side. And you just mentioned like, hey, do you figure out that that guy can't go the one way? And I, that's one of the things I picked up on what the elite D-middies, um, they don't necessarily just take a side away. Right? Can you walk me through that? Like, it, let's say you're, you're my, I'm your matchup, and you know I'm all right. I got a little bit of left, but I'm all right. Are you, are you just gonna give me that right side all the time? No, I mean, um, I mean, it, it depends, really. Um, you know, you gotta listen to your coaches. Um, but you know, the input to them about you know all right-handed guys, um, it helps. I mean, if he's you know, setting up in the top, we're looking out from the goal. If he's up in the top left and, you know, they know our defensive strategy is to, is to force guys down the side, slide from the crease and get it through X um, and press the X. But, you know, if, if I know that the right hand is his strong, you know, his strong hand, I'm going to shade, you know, my right foot with his right shoulder, um, you know, and if he still wants to get down the side, then he can, but like, you know, I know that by shading him, you know, I'm really, I'm really taking away his options. Um, he can, you know, fight through me to get to his right, which a lot of times is what happens because guys want to go to their strong hand. Um, you know, and then, then I accomplish my goal. He's down the side, he's way out, he can't really do anything, and the ball is going to be late to X, and, you know, our X defender is going to be right there on his hands. Um, you know, so you can do that. By shade group, by shade, just for somebody who might not realize what we're saying, what do you mean by shade? Do you get up in their path? Like you talked about angles earlier, like you actually take that angle away. And I was talking about shoulder, kind of getting above the shoulder. Is that what you're talking about, shade? Yeah, what, what I talk about is shading is, is when I approach, I'll approach to his, his strong hand side and I'll shade, um, you know, his right hand with my body. Like I'll line up my inside my right foot with his right shoulder and that way I'm shaded to his right strong hand as I approach. Perfect. So he's got to go through you. Yeah. So he's either got to through me around me or to his weak hand. And in that, in all three of those cases, I'm winning. So let's go back to a, a approach. Um, I want to break it down from real simple perspective. And let's say the team's subbing their middies and you're in the hole. We're matched up. Six on six is coming. We know the last middies coming in. Let's say it's Kyle Dixon. Um, guy who's who's never seen a short stick in his life, and all of a sudden he's got group, <clears throat> and he's at the fifty, you know, the football fifty, and he's going to get a, a, a fifty-yard sprint. You, we know, I'm not great at math, forty or thirty, whatever it is. Um, are you waiting at the box? Because I know so many coaches want their deep middies to stand there, planted at the box, and, and that can work with their system and their package is, is just built for that guy to get beat. Um, but do you walk me through your approach in that scenario? So you're restraining line balls coming in from the 50. It's a, it's a downhill Dodger. Who's, who's got both hands. Are you waiting at the restraining line? Are you going out? What are you doing? Yeah, I'm definitely going to go out and meet him. There's no way in hell I'm waiting at the restraining line for Kyle Dixon. <laughs> that guy's a beast. Um, well, and, and, and let's say you can get him. All right, let's say best case. And that was, to me, one of the most interesting things I picked up early in the MLL. It's like none of these guys are staying in like you used to be taught because they can shoot two-pointers over you. They can, 
you know, you're just going to get beat. So let's say you get that jam. You talked earlier about being physical. I guess I'll ask you first, what's your preferred jam? Is it a heavy cross check? Or are you more of a, 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 a in tight guy or do you hands together? And just for you high school kids at home, if you listen to this, you know, just adapt. If we're saying heavy cross check, like you're allowed to do in the pro leagues, you know, they, they're letting you do it more and more every year in high school and college, but you can still bring your hand. It's the same idea, a jam with your hands in, you just got just the rest. So is the jam your, your preferred? Is it the heavy cross check? Or you more, would you rather just get a bump and run? Yeah, I mean, I'm a, I like the heavy cross check, um, but at all costs, I need to, I need to push them off their path. So, yeah. um, you know, when I first, you know, got into league like you said I, I played for the the rattlers um and uh bj o'hara he was the coach and i'm and i remember him you know putting me out at, at some d midi and um he was like look you gotta get out to the guy don't wait for him and at whatever you do cross check like like no matter what it is you do make sure you get a cross check and i was like wow i can actually cross check people because i didn't i mean i didn't know that yeah uh, so that's literally what I did. I would, I would run out to guys. I would, you know, play basketball defense by like, you know, getting as tight to them as I possibly could um, or think of bump and run coverage as a cornerback in football. Um, and that's what I, I would break down. I would, you know, pretend I was playing defense and basketball or I was playing cornerback in football. And then I, he would make his move and I would cross check them as hard as I possibly could. Where's your go to. And again, I'll, I'll bring this up because, because, I jam, but we got taught to cross check and peg in, but we, we got taught how to do it without getting called. So you can do this in high school and college. You watch college. The ACC team that he's cross checked the whole game. Um, now, now, I don't know how much of when we played, but all right, where's, where's you your go to? Are you going for hip or arm? I mean, I'm going for pain. Um, you know, whatever I could get, whatever I could get to. Um, uh, I mean, preferably it'd be their hip. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, I mean, we're talking about elite offensive players. So, if I can get his shoulder and push him out maybe a half a yard, like, I can catch up. I can I can at least get into a trail check position where I know a slide's coming. And with the guys at the pro level, they play with so much whip, you know, they have to bring their stick way back. So, like, if I'm a yard, half a yard behind, like, I'm not beat. Like, I know that their stick is coming back a half yard and I'm right there. That's, I mean – and that's what you do the group, right? When you go over the top. Well, it first started with, you know, a check up. Yeah. Uh, noticing that. And then I started to, you know, the over-the-head check is, is a little bit more intricate. Um, it, it's something that takes a little bit of time to set up throughout the game, and you got to understand how your guy's playing. Like, I don't start throwing those in the first quarter. Oh, you're playing a, little, you play a little chess out there? Yeah, that, that comes a little bit later. Um you know, but it starts with the jam. Um, like, if you start getting good jams on guys and you start hurting them in the first quarter, they're going to know that that's coming and they're going to brace for it. So you set up the over-the-head check with a hard cross check, but you don't give them the cross check. You just let go and you go over the head. That's, that's what I call the group right there. You're one of the first guys I saw really landing that a lot. And, and then it was like, kind of like the, you know, I used to be taught stay at 12 yards. I used to be taught never throw a check. And it's, it's kind of like shooters, too. Like, they're doing everything every coach is saying don't do. Like, all the greats are doing things that the people are saying don't do. So that's fascinating that you um, you go with the jam, the up check. Then can I call it the group? You like that, right? 
I mean, I'm not the only one that's ever thrown an over the head check, but I, I, I you know. is a little different though. They don't, a lot of guys go through the over, like go try two hand. It's a little bit slower to me. Yeah. You just have a quicker, you have a quicker way of doing it than I've seen other people do. Um, but that's just a compliment. I'm not used to complimenting you that much. But, yeah. <laughs> all right, let's talk about. So I think your, your biggest point there was was get them off their line however you can. So and that was the speed dodge. So let's say it's more of a. Well, actually, I'd like to know this too. So let's say you bump them off their line. You got to run the X. Like you know, everybody's running the X. So what are you waiting for at that point? We're talking the guy's out of the play. He can't score. He probably can't skip past. Like, are you just done? Or is there a, a moment where you're like, I might get another shot at this guy? Yeah, I mean, like I said, most of the time in, in that case, you know, you're you're either running with them or you're about a, a half a yard behind, um, you know. And what I learned in the pros is the dodge is never over until he gets rid of the ball. That's a good point. Um you know, a lot of the times the guys will they'll they'll run down the left, you know, the left side that are he'll he's a righty, and you'll be a, a half step behind or a half yard behind, and he'll be like, oh well, the slide just turned away, so I'm gonna dodge again. So you you really have to be ready for that, and you really yeah. got to stay on the hip um, until they they get rid of the ball, and then once they get rid of it, then you gotta you know get your ass you know ass back in the hole and and yeah. get back in held position. Um, but yeah, the, the dodge is never over until the ball is gone. And then when he does release it, what check are you using then? Are you going to chop check the bottom hand to try to, to try to keep him away from you as much as possible and, and try to dodge the other teammate? Are you just getting in? Uh, you're a nice guy or you, you take that last check? It'll depend if I like the guy or if he was talking some crap, you know, throughout That's the game. So that is real. You look, if, if like that guy went to Maryland, you might not throw that extra check. No, that's not true. Um, you know, it just would depend on the situation, time of the game. Like, if we needed a big stop or we needed, like, a, a momentum play, I might throw a heavy check. Yeah. Um, you know, if we're winning by, like, five or six, I might just throw a small little poke. Maybe he'll throw it out of bounds. Um, but also, it's happened to me before, is when I've gone to throw those checks is when I'll get re-dodged because – Oh, you know, they, yeah, they're waiting on yeah, they're kind of – they're lifting their hands up. It's almost like a, a you know, fake to a goalie. Like they're lifting their hands like throwing a fake, and you go to throw the heavy check, they're right into your hands, and you're screwed. Yeah. So, um, you know, I, I wouldn't really do that until I, I – you know, I would also have to know, is the guy tired? Is he fresh? Did he just come out of the box? Like, does he yeah. redodge a lot? You know, it really depends on who it is, what the situation is. Um, but I wasn't a big chop check guy. I was, I was more of a – a position cross check, you know, you know, small pokes just to try and get them to throw it out of bounds or, um, but, uh, yeah, you gotta, you gotta be careful going with the heavy chops cause they'll get in your hands and, and redodge it. And then you're, you're SOL there. Wrestle, wrestle, throw that flag too. I always tell the younger guys though, I'm like, Hey, if you can get one, it's like, you know, when they let a time room shot go or they make a lazy pass, like the refs give you one on the bottom hand before they tell you like, Hey, Hey, 88, like enough. Like that, that's the last one. Um, yeah, you, something... you used to throw wood, dude. You you have maybe one of the heaviest cross like slab checks I've ever seen. Well, I appreciate uh, that. But uh but let's yeah, go... Hunter Stein has a pretty heavy slap. Uh, well, this is who I was talking to it about. I'd love to get him on here too. Um he said to me one time, I forget if he hit me or I hit him, but we were chirping, they were subbing, 
Um, and I played with his older brother as a rookie in Rochester. What a great family. I love those guys. Um, but he, we kind of met up after the game. He's like, why are you such a jerk? And I'm like, why are you such a jerk? And he's like, because everyone dodges me the whole game. And if I'm not a jerk, I just, I'm going to get dodged. And then I get beat. And then I might not be in the next game. Right? So, like, you got, you got to have that mindset we were talking about. Um, which was, all right, let's go from, from up top behind the goal. And actually, one of the first times I saw you play in the MLL, you got matched up with Junior back there. And, and I've had to guard Junior. It's actually a lot of fun. Um, I think. No, it's not fun. He's ridiculous. <laughs> you don't like it? I hate every second of it. You hated it? Hate it. Hate it. Well, I he's saw it. It was. It was. Look, he's made me look terrible about at least five times. Well, that's one of the reasons I kind of liked it because I'm like, if you get beat, it doesn't matter. You're guarding one of the arguably the greatest player ever, one of the greatest. You know him, Gary, or, or I don't know who else. Yeah, yeah, he's right out there. It's hard to yeah. argue. So if he if he scores now, but you know you talk you mentioned a little bit earlier about your stance. That's when I really noticed how you would get down and angle um, and get on their hips. And behind angles are so much more important. You can't. It, it's it's the opposite of the run and chase we're talking about with the top guys. So what's yeah. your mindset behind lower angles and stuff? And you just do a really good job of kind of getting into their body and moving your body that way, but not over committing. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of the same, you know, approach style. Um, you know, it, it really just depends on the guy. Like with Junior, you know, he's heavy left. Um, so you, you got to basically got to just play his, his entire left side and even double shade, you know, it's like, okay, you, you're going you're gonna to go left. But, you know, when, when you're playing at X, getting the hips and pushing them away from the goal is really the goal. Yeah. Um, if, if they get ahead of steam and they get, um, you know, north south, you're it's it's going to be really hard for you. If you can push them east west, um, you know that's where you can gain some advantage. Um, so so that's you try, are you trying to like hold ground back there or make plays? What's your what's your thought on that? Um, back there, I'm trying to to make plays. Or I'm sorry, whole ground. That's what um, I mean. yeah, yeah. You know, once I get to the goal line, that's where I think plays can be made. Um, a lot of coaches, you know, don't want you to throw checks at goal line, or um, but I, I like to throw over the head check at goal line because I know that that's when guys start to look um, look up and start to get their hands up to try and make a feed. Um, so my goal is either to get that check kind of later in the game or to beat them to the spot and force them underneath where I know that a slide is coming. And um, I was fortunate enough to play with Scotty Rogers. So if I could get a guy to, to turn underneath, I knew that he might, he might come out and take someone's head off. So him and I kind of basically had a deal where I was like, look, if I get taken behind, I'm going to try and force a guy. Underneath. I'll roll yeah. I'll, I'll, I can roll them. Just make sure you got my back. Because <laughs> they don't like that. I and mean, that's one of the two things that pro bowlers talk about all the time. It's like, don't give up twos. Don't let those guys dive at my feet. Um, yeah. I actually cross-checked you in the back one time into Scott Rogers' legs. I thought uh, yeah, I thought put his knee out. Thank you. He didn't get hurt. Thank goodness. Yeah, great thank you. Uh, that, was, that was bad because that you, was a penalty. You beat, it was a penalty. They didn't call it. You beat me pretty good. I love that you talk about the chess match, though. See, I, I'm there not on this. And I, I actually – I think we're in uncharted territory here. I don't think anyone has ever talked about D-Mitty this long in their life. Uh, so <laughs> I'm excited about this. But I love talking about – man. 
It is a fun position. We're making position. Yeah. If you have the mindset for it, it's really fun. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, there, uh, so we talked about a lot of the on-ball stuff. You were talking about your, your jams, getting them off the pad, setting up that checker later with some up checks. You know, I, I, you know, I'm trying to keep the focus on you, but I was a chop checker. I never could do the room check. I'm, I'm, I'm five eight. What are you six one? Yeah, I'm about six foot. Not, six, not quite six one. I gave you an extra name. So, um, but the, the other stuff that goes with the position, uh, the off ball, the two slide, the, the ground balls, and to me, one of the things I I disliked about pro and I pretty much liked everything was that there's not as many ground balls because everybody's so good with their stick. Um, but how do you make, you just talk about making plays. It's a fun position. So talk to me a little bit about your off ball mentality. You know, it's really hard. You, you, you got huge shooters that can shoot the two. Um, and, and, and so now it's not as easy as maybe college, but that's really where you can get your big hits. Um, you can make some ground ball plays and you can get your transition going. Yeah, I mean, I think off-ball is probably, as a D-mini, even more important than maybe on-ball or equally as important, um, you know, because a lot of the times it's a – if you're not the matchup on-ball, you're getting exploited off-ball. Um, and as far as, you know, making plays off-ball, you just have to understand how offenses work, and I think I think that is something that I was fortunate enough to understand with playing – you know, offense in high school and college. Um, you know, if, if if you know that, let's say, a, a, a team likes to dodge down the alley, um, kind of engage that slide from the crease um, defense and then roll back and hit a follow midi, um, and, you're, and you're the short set covering that follow midi um, because that's how they – they position it. It's, I mean, it's usually the pole. They start the pole in the middle, and then they'll they'll swap, and they'll you know get the pole the other side and, and make the follow midi the um, the guy that has a short stick. One because you got to make that approach if that guy dodges, um, and two you know off ball defense of the short stick midi it, it's a lot harder because your stick's shorter. Um, so you got to cover the space with you know, your feet versus your stick um, and your feet. So, uh, you know, let's, let's say the guy dodges down the alley to the right and rolls back for a throwback, you know, that's something that you can see throughout the game and you know that they're going to do it. And maybe the first couple of times, you know, you, you let them get the roll back and then you're, you're there for the approach um, and you're in good position to play defense. And as the game goes on, you know, you realize like, okay, this is the, what they're going to do. You know, maybe I'll, I'll jump this rollback pass um, and create a transition opportunity and intercept the pass, yep. uh, you know, and, and when you do that, you just have to, you know, let your other teammates know, because if you go to jump that throwback, then they can skip it across to the other midi. So that long pole has got to be ready for that skip on the backside. Um, you know, so you don't want to leave your defense hanging, um, you know, because you can also get backdoored. So it's, it's really something that you've got to uh, – it comes back to that chess game. It's, it's, you know, understanding how the offense works, knowing kind of what guys like to do when they do it, um, and, you know, try and figure out ways that you can make plays and, and create transition, you know, as a short stick. Um, you know, I think, I think I've seen Jake – 
Bernhardt do that quite a few times, um, get some interceptions and, and create some, some transition, whether it's on a ground ball or, I mean, and ground balls are, are ground balls, right? You know, it's, you know, it's your job, I guess, as a, as a defensive player, when the ball is on the ground, you know, it's your ball. You, kind of, you know, it goes to that, that mindset. That's why, you know, some of the best attackmen um, are some of the best ground ball guys. You know, because they, they also have that attitude. I mean, one guy that comes to mind is, is Marcus Holman. I mean, that dude rides his tail off. That guy, you know, will go after any ground ball, take any check. I mean, he's really fun to play with. But, um, but yeah, when that ball is on the ground, it's it's the, the mindset. It's like, that's mine. I don't care who you are. I don't care what's going on. I'm going to check you as hard as I can. I'm going to run you over. I'm going to rub my face in there. I'm going to get smashed, you know, picking up the ball and getting it up out of their stick and creating transition. I mean, it's a great feeling, you know, taking three, four checks and getting the ball and then getting it up and running it down, passing it to a long pole, pass it to Schreiber coming in on the box to pass it to Holman and bam, you got a goal. It's, I mean, it's pretty awesome. Yeah. It's pretty fun. And uh, I was going to ask you a lot of transition questions, but I was like, all right, I'm going to keep this just to the half the OD minute. Like I've mentioned 10 times, I don't think, only people have really discussed this topic that much. So um, kind of one thing that I'm interested now, um, and especially with, with COVID, canceling our seasons, it's kind of um, – and when we played in the league, you got to practice on your own. That, that was new, right? Like people are like, oh, it must be fun. You just show up once a week. You're like, well, you know, not really. Like I watched you, you know, you got your lift regimen, you got your yoga, you got your other things. But – Kind of, I don't think there's a lot out there for individual training for D-Mitty. I think it's getting a little better. Um, the cone dancing is hot right now for, for dodging. Um, what, what did you do to get ready to go against some of these middies we've been talking about during the week? What, like, just, like lacrosse, like leave the lift. We can talk more about lifting yoga in a bit. What did you do lacrosse-wise? Like how did you replicate what you were going to see in that game on Monday and Tuesday? Um, I actually did a lot of, um, a lot of imagery work. Um, you know, I, I just on an open field, um, yeah. you know, I would, I would get on a field and I was lucky enough cause I was, I was coaching. Um, so I had open field to work with. Um, but I would go out there and I would, you know, kind of do what we talked about. I would, you know, pretend that I'm approaching a guy coming out of the box at the 50 yard line. And whoever was playing that week, that's who I would picture in my mind, whether it be, you know, um, the Outlaws or, uh, you know, Boston or, or whoever, um, you know, who was on that team, who my potential matchups were going to be. And I, I would watch film and then I'd go out to the field and I would, I would imagine them dodging on me out of the 50-yard line. I'd put myself in that position and I'd just do it on air. I, you know, I'd throw a heavy cross check. I'd, I'd follow them down the, the alley. I'd you know, run 15 yards that way. And then, you know, they, they take a shot or throws out of bounds and I'd sprint all the way down the other end of the field. Um, you know, I think just using the, the mental part, because I think that's what really separates um, pros versus college is, is the mental um, part of it. Um, so I would just use the mental game to help with my training. Um, you know, across specifically, it would be, you know, I'd run some cone drills, just, you know, some stuff like that. But um, I would actually put myself on the field and, and get dodged. It's funny. Um, we never trained together because we didn't 
you know, I mentioned earlier we lived together in Memphis, but I, I, I retired at that point, was co just coaching, but you were still playing. That's exactly what I did. But I was curious what other people did. Um, I would start in the box and literally do that sprint that you're going to do in the game, heavy cross-check, recover, slash the crease, pick up a drop ball, run to the other end. I remember people seeing me do it. They're like, what are you doing? Like, you know, you see people that go out there and just stand and shoot. And you're like, that is just so rare that you're going to get that shot in the game. Um, all right, well, let's talk the other stuff you do. I, I did mention yoga. I did mention that you're vegan. Are you still vegan? Yeah, but, you know, I wasn't vegan when I played. But well, you um, ate well. I ate pretty well. I mean, looking back at now, I ate like shit. I, you know, um, I did not eat well. Um, yeah, you could have done better. I definitely could have done better. You wish you got to play as a vegan? I, sometimes I do, but I'm not as angry. I wish I wish I had done more yoga yeah. and more flexibility and more mobility. Um, I wish I had ate and vegan back then. Um, I mean, I think I'm in one of the best shapes of my career probably since, or I guess my life since I'm not playing anymore. I can't really call it a career. Don't call it a comeback. I've been trying to get you to come back for the last two years. How old are you? Nah. nah. <laughs> I think you can do it. I think you got one more year left in you. I don't know. I know uh, you, you mentioned earlier. I probably physically have that. Yeah, yeah it's mental. mentally. I don't have yeah, it. I don't I have it. It's so hard to chase those guys around. I don't have it mentally. But, yeah. but yeah, I mean, when I was playing, you needed – I mean, we're talking about big guys, right? Like, mm -hmm. I think one of the reasons that I, I had such a successful career is because I could guard the both types of offensive midfielders i could guard the small guys like snyder and i could also guard the big guys like um like paul <laughs> that was gonna be my next question for you was would you rather guard a big guy or a little guy i don't want to guard either one of them to be honest with you um, i just want you know the guy that's not very good and um, <laughs> you know he's just gonna run and throw it to x that's the guy i want to guard <laughs> uh but yeah, I mean, those guys are great. Those guys are just beautiful. You're like, you had me beat by a step, and you didn't even look. Yeah, didn't even look. Just you know, throw it to X. Like that, my job's done. Um, yeah. You know, those are the the fun guys to guard. But you you know, I, you had to lift a bunch. You had to run a bunch. Um, you know, I I don't. I couldn't prefer one or the other. I just you know. I probably would take a big guy because you know quick guys are just. I want going to do i want a big guy any day of the week i'm in their hip as soon as it starts i, I hated guarding justin smith and Bird. like those guys like we talk about cross check coaches cross check cross check i'm like i can't get it on them i cannot catch them uh there's one picture of me trying to guard justice one time where i'm literally cross-checking hair and he's like four feet the other way uh i tried but all right let's say um best teammate of all time who's your who you got Myself. You can name a couple too if you want. <laughs> uh, I mean, every demon has to think they're the best one of all time, right? I mean, that's part of the mindset. Um, you know, thinking about guys that I've played with and guys that I've watched, um, older guys that come to mind is Chris Schiller. Yeah. Um, I know he played for a very long time, and he was one of the one of the best ever. Um, hopefully, most people know who that is. Um, they don't, but they should look them up. Yeah. Uh, most recently, 
Uh, I played with Dominique Alexander and Jake Bernhardt. Like, we were the three D middies, and, you know, that was That's a, that was a really good combo between the three of us. Um, you know, guys that I've watched recently that I really like – um, I mean, I really love watching Understime play. I don't, I don't know how he's still doing it. Um, uh, because he competes. Like, the mindset is out of control on that guy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he, yeah. He, and he's, he's got really good, that. right? I mean, there's obviously, a, a, like I said earlier, he's, he's previously said, like, wasn't he a Tackman in college? Uh, to be honest, I don't I don't know. I'm um, 95% sure he played attack in college. I know he played offense. Like, most, most every game made. And I tried to recruit Dominique out of high school. Um, he was a heck of a uh, old man in high school. Um, yeah. What about Donnie Moss, man? You forgot Donnie Moss. I did forget Donnie. Um, Donnie. Donnie's just another one of those guys. He's just been doing it for a long time that no one really knows about. Um, and I guess that's what makes a good D-Midi. If no one really knows who you are. <laughs> <laughs> and you're still you're, playing. You're, you're, you're doing your job. Um, you know, I, I like the, the Haas kid. Um, Oh, he was good. Um, he's he's really good. Um, yeah. Who else? I'm trying to think. I mean, obviously Jake Bernhardt. He's you know world team, won a gold medal. I mean, kids a stud. The PLL guys were fun to watch this summer, but I mean, you you know they're all real good because there was nobody that I was like, if you go at that guy, you're gonna score. And and yeah, no, I, I mean to, to I play at that level, anyone that's playing at that level, I mean, you're you're legit, you know, you're the best you can be um, at that position. So, you know, all those guys are good. Okay, a lot of guys. Let me ask you this: a lot of guys coming to the league. Coach says you're like BJ. You know, you're an All-American in Maryland. You scored a game winner in the Navy. Like, you obviously – and you played offense in the pros, right? Like, it's not like you can't do it. I, I would I would imagine you could go play offense tomorrow in a pro game. Like, I would I would have enough faith that you could do well at that. Um, how do you get the guys to buy into that, though? Because I've seen so many guys come to the league and the coach is like, you're going to take a D-mini run, and they don't, they just check out. Like, they, they, they would rather get out of the league than even try to do it. Yeah, I don't understand that. Um, you know, for me, what happened was I saw it as an opportunity to, to play. Yeah. Uh, and that's all I wanted to do was to play, um, you know. So if coach was like, this is how you're going to get on the field, I was like, okay, tell me what to do. Like, I'll do it. Um, and then I just kind of got into that niche, that niche, um, and I really loved it. And I found a spot to play for a long time. Lots, man. Uh, you got to travel around the country with your with your best friends and hang out with people. And um, who do you, what's your best advice you're gonna give? Let's say two mates, young mates, young kids, anybody. Just best advice group. Your ten year plus guy. Not many. Got, not many people can say that. Um, what's your best advice to give them? Um, to you know, I don't really know. <laughs> I mean, there's so many things I could say. The best thing I would say is to play other sports and watch other sports because what separates good from great is IQ. Yeah. Uh, and I mean, if, if you, I mean, you could be the best athlete on the field, but if you have no idea how an offense works, or you have no idea how a defense works, um, you, you're not going to be the best player on the field. Um, I, I think IQ is the single 
greatest factor that separates good from great. So if you want to be great, you need to have a better IQ. And to get a better IQ, it's not just watching the cross all the time. You've got to watch other sports. You need to know how basketball defenses work, how football defenses work, how football offenses work, you know, um, just all that stuff. Just take in sport as much as possible. That's, that, that, that's great advice. All right, who y'all winning the NBA championship? <laughs> the NBA championship? The Lakers, of course. No one's taking down LeBron. I forgot how much you love LeBron. Uh, yeah. I, I want Jimmy Butler. We talk so much about mindset. LeBron's got a great mindset, uh, obviously. Yeah. Um, but mindset ever. Well, maybe Michael. I mean, MJ's mindset. Yeah, it's tough. That's, I still think Mike's better. Who do you think is better, Mike or LeBron? I mean, that debate's been going on forever. Um, if I had to pick in a draft – and I had the number one pick out of any player ever in the NBA, I'm probably taking LeBron. LeBron. So. Okay. Well, that's where we differ. You know, I'm just a little bit older than you. Um, I do love Jimmy Buckets, though. He's the man. <laughs> well, dude, I really appreciate you doing this. It's a lot of fun. And uh, say hi to the family for me. No doubt, buddy. All right, bro. All right.